This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Well, as you've likely heard in the news, the B.C. government has announced amendments to the Residential Tenancy Act, and these are aimed at helping tenants or protecting tenants uh, that many in many cases are facing eviction due to renovations or repairs or demolition. Uh, Some say, though, the amendments don't go far enough. So we are joined now by Danielle Sabelli, a lawyer with the Community Legal Assistance Society. Danielle, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Jill. No problem at all. Uh, Talk a little bit about this. I know the Community Legal Assistance Society has been very involved in this. So we had the amendments uh, announced. Uh, What are your concerns with these uh, not going far enough? Yeah, so, I mean, the 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 last throne speech that we had, the government acknowledges that there needs to be increased protections for tenants in the act. Um, and we were we were told to expect that we would that um, the issue of eviction, um, primarily those evictions uh, related to renovations or demolitions would be addressed in the latest round of amendments, but with the security of tenants in mind. Um, but what we have, does not actually improve security whatsoever. What we have does not keep people in their homes. And that's what what we would have liked to have seen, um, some stronger provisions that would have aimed at keeping tenants in their homes, because ultimately this is, we're at a crisis point here in Vancouver. This is not just a, a small issue. This is not a problem. This is a crisis, and, and crises, crises warrant um, sort of more drastic responses. Right. Uh, but in some cases, and I know that, that this is in in a sense going after uh, the, the dem evictions and the practice of, of getting rid of the tenants doing or perhaps not doing that much work and then charging more rent. Uh, but there are legitimate times when landlords are fixing up a building or they are doing renovations and they are they are making a building better, aren't there? Certainly, there there are instances where landlords would be uh, having to improve um, or repair their units, but there's there's no reason why a landlord can, or sorry, there's no reason why a tenant can't return to the unit after those repairs or renovations are complete. So, what what the government has done is they have introduced a right of first refusal. However, this version of right of first refusal. Um, does not, again, have the effect of uh, improving security for tenants because basically, you know, the tenant might be given the option to come back, but they have to do so um, on the terms of the new tenancy. So, you know, landlord can say, sure, come on back, tenant, but by the way, your rent is going to be doubled the amount. So do you still want to exercise that option, which we know is not something too many tenants are going to be able to do. Um so actually what we would have would have liked to have seen uh, in the more recent amendments would be a right of a right of first refusal tied to the same rent. So sure, landlords, you can do the renovations and repairs that you want, but then once those are complete, landlords can return to their unit at the same rent. Um, and 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 that is something that's um, been done in other jurisdictions like Ontario. So that would have been something we would have liked to have seen in um, in Vancouver. And, and the problem we we recognize with uh, with what is yes colloquially termed as rent evictions is landlords often use that as a form to sever 
current tenancies so that they can uh, get rid of tenants who are paying rent at a certain amount for the purposes of being able to move in higher paying tenants afterwards. And so that's a practice that needs to be stopped. And I think most would agree with that. But if a, if a landlord puts in, say, $100,000 into a building or puts in a lot of money to a unit, and I get what you're saying with the right of the first right of refusal, uh, should they not be able to charge, maybe not double, but there should, should there not be able to be some increase in that the unit itself is now a better unit that they're putting on the market? Well, I mean, the, pro- the problem there is, Yes, of course, you know, sometimes landlords are going to have to put in um, a bit more money into their renovation. I mean, I will note that, you know, landlords do have a continuing obligation to maintain and repair their units. Um, and there is a provision in the Act that does allow for an additional rent increase if there's a major repair or renovation that needs to happen that was unforeseen. So there are mechanisms in place already where in certain situations, landlords may be able to request from the residential tenancy branch an additional rent increase to recover costs in those types of situations. Um, so again, get, keeping in mind that this is, this is a crisis for tenants, not landlords, there needs to be more done, more focus on how we can keep tenants in their units as opposed to, um, you know, providing for situations where landlords might be able to um, charge an exponential amount of rent that 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 doesn't need to happen, um, because we know that there are abuses, and and that that's the current problem. That's again the rent eviction situation. Um, so there there needs to be something in place that prevents that practice from happening, and so those landlords that may have legitimate reasons to have to renovate and recover those costs have those other mechanisms that they can use to do that. That doesn't result in in a tenant having to, you know, lose their home um, so immediately. What about scenarios where, and just yesterday I was uh, covering a story in North Vancouver, and this isn't happening just there, it's happening elsewhere as well, where developers come in and purchase uh, rental, purpose rentals, and put forward a plan to redevelop the site. They do give the tenants a right of first refusal, but people are then out of their homes. Their homes are demolished. They're out of their homes for a couple of years, and then they are offered to come back. It's a different type of unit. It's much more expensive because it's brand new and a beautiful unit. Uh, does it? Does that fall to civic governments? Then who comes into play there in trying to protect people who, in many cases, are forced out of the community? Yeah, I mean, in, in the in the in the demolition situation, it is a bit trickier because obviously that unit ceases to exist, um, and um, you know, obviously, time will have to elapse before you know there's maybe a, a replacement unit and whatnot. And, and I recognize there are situations. I mean, we can we can introduce stronger protections. But ultimately, yes, there's still going to be those situations where um, right of first refusal is not an option because the unit no longer no longer exists. So in those situations, there are other things that could happen as well. And again, we were hoping to see this type of thing in the more recent round of legislative amendments. Um, and that would be going towards in compensation, compensation for the tenant. So currently, as we have it, and as we will continue to have it, if a landlord gives a two-month notice of eviction to a tenant because they plan to demolish the unit, the landlord has to compensate the tenant with one month's rent. Um, problem with that is one month's rent is not nearly enough for a tenant to cover their expenses, 
their cost of moving, their security deposits in an alternative, um, their their security deposit in, for another unit, and first month's rent. Um, so ultimately, you know that that's that's one thing that. <laughs> the government has also fallen short on is actually assisting tenants who might actually need to need to, to move because, um, you know, the, the unit is then demolished. Um, that's one other thing that, that the government has not provided for, but in terms of, you know, what is the response when communities are disappearing, um, where buildings are being demolished and higher end condos are, are going up? Um, you know, I think that's, that, that does fall on, um, municipal governments as well as the provincial governments. And I think there are, are ways in which they may be able to perhaps work together to um, try to try to preserve um, communities. All right, Danielle, we'll have to leave it there. I know we could uh, go on and talk more about this, but we're out of time. But I appreciate you joining us today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jill. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.